you get the beer? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Local Earshot Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Biggs. I'm here with Jonathan Grissom, More Brands Media. How you doing today, bud? I'm good. I'm uh, trying to wake up and uh, went to the doctor yesterday and they were shocking me with electrodes. Whoa. Yeah, so that was fun. Well, what, what, what happened? <laughs> uh, uh, I have the beginning stages of neuropathy in my hands. Oh, shit. So they they were... Uh, they Juiced were like, you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then I, then I went to work afterwards and I was exhausted at work because of it. It's like a workout, you know? Woo. So. Well, we got a good guest in with us today. Someone I've been actually wanting to have on for a while. Uh, with Vanessa House Brewery in Oklahoma City. We got Andrew Corrales in with us today. How you doing, bud? Pretty good. Pretty good on this uh, lovely Friday morning. Yeah. It's hotter than balls outside it's right now. It's ridiculous, man. It's so bad. It's, <laughs> you can't get... You get out of the car, walk into a store, and they're like three feet, you're just drenched. Drenched. Just Soaking. Drenched. Yeah. Man. Well, uh, I, I'm really glad you was able to make it out. Uh, I know Zach got caught up and, and uh, wasn't able to make it. Uh, maybe we'll catch him next time around. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being in with us. For sure, for sure. And uh, let's just start from the beginning. Take us back. How did this whole uh, the seed of this idea start? I mean, uh, we're, we're both from McLeod. We, mm-hmm. we went to school and uh, graduated together. But the seeds for the idea started more in college, am I right? Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so like you mentioned Zach. So myself, Zach, his brother Evan... Justin, we all went to a club. We all knew Brad back in the day, and uh, we grew up together. Um, yeah, went to college. Uh, yeah, after as you do uh, sometimes after high school, and we, you know, met our fifth owner there. His name's Nick White. And he's actually a transplant. He's from uh, Denton, Texas. You know, we graduated. Uh, you know, in college, we kind of got the the love for craft beer. Got introduced to craft beer. After college, we got into the the homebrew game, which is kind of a it was a way to like keep hanging out right so you know you graduate college you get your big boy job and uh just time and stuff gets harder to to hang out families grow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. everybody so you're married and having kids other than me because nobody will nobody's dumb enough to make that mistake (laughs) to put a ring on this one but uh anyways uh ladies yeah um so you know so it does it gets harder to hang out so we kind of said, well, let's just start homebrewing on Saturdays. So we we just all made it a point, and that was and that was something like, you know, wives would hang out and the kids could maybe come over here and there too. And while we're all in the garage drinking and brewing beer, and we were doing that every Saturday, and it got to the point where we were brewing so much there was no way we could drink at all. So we started giving it out and um, got decent reactions on it. Um, you could, we started learning things, got into it, and. Evan specifically really took to the science of it and really took to the brewing aspect of it, um, which is, you know, important. Like, you need somebody that knows how to, can actually wrap their head around right. brewing beer. So from there, then, like, you know, Zach and uh, probably was the first one that had the idea to start looking at, like, what's it, what would it be like to open a brewery? So then started doing all the research, uh, building, you know, looking at business plans, building business plans. And getting a, an understanding of the local market uh, and local, you know, craft beer, and you know, at the time, you know, so this is, you know, we graduated uh, college in '07. Fast forward to about, you know, twenty, let's say twelve ish, um, and that's when we were really starting to get into this idea of starting a brewery. And at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of 
uh, local breweries. There wasn't a big craft scene. In yeah, it seemed like when you guys came on the scene, it, it all of a sudden the stores would have rows and there'd be an individual six pack from a microbrewery or whatever mm-hmm. going all the way down the row. And I'm like, holy shit, what happened here? You know? Yeah, yeah. And it was <laughs> so what was going on was kind of a, a revolution, so to speak, in the terms of uh, how we were, uh, how craft beer, how beer in general is regulated. Uh, Oklahoma has been, until very recently, one of the few states that basically still had prohibition laws. Yeah. Um, they they weren't as strict as far, but they basically were prohibition laws. Um, we were a three two. We were a two tier state. You know, three two versus, uh, you know, beer. It was three two was actually right. considered a food product, not actual <laughs> beer, and that's why you could buy your three two in grocery and and convenience, but you couldn't buy. And the six point is like it grew up in Oklahoma. Was like, oh, we'll go to Texas get six point. Which, you know, you learn that once you get into craft beer, is like six point is just regular beer. In yeah. Places. yeah. And then you know, beer can be really anything, uh, ABV wise. Um, so there was there was this revolution going on of getting these laws changed, which was driven by um, a local kind of craft beer group that got together, started really. Uh, they got their 501c and all that type of stuff, so really kind of pushing legislature, and then uh, got um, a few of the few people in the legislature on board. Stephanie Bice is a name that was really big in terms of pushing forward the regulations uh, bills to change the laws. So what that really ended up being was the the big first sweeping law that that changed was uh, tap rooms. Tap rooms are not legal in Oklahoma until August of. Let's. I want to say twenty. I think it's probably twenty sixteen. Very recent. Yeah, very recent. And so when we we started learning all this, I'm like, man, if you're going to start a brewery, now's the time to do it because once these laws change, it kind of reduces all these barriers to entry that were there. And if you can find a way to get in prior to, you can kind of start building your brand a little early, get that name recognition early. So that's that was our thought process. So we kind of leaned into it. And we started working again, working on the business plan, and how do we get in first? And we got into the industry first through contract brewing. So contract brewing is we did everything from designing the recipe to the marketing to the logistics. You know, we built the brand and built all the stuff and the sales and all, all that. But we paid other breweries to we basically paid to rent their equipment and have them brew it for us. It was brewed under their license. Our first brew, our first brews are actually done in Missouri. Uh, by O'Fallon and we did that for a little less than a year maybe a year just to get the brand out there and start marketing start selling it yeah and then we were able to then transition to the Brewers Union um, which is on hiatus right now but that's over there off of uh, oh lord what's that street I have the moments too early doesn't really matter uh, but it's all it's there in Oklahoma City and we were, us, Angry Scotsman and Elk Valley moved over there. Uh, and at the same time we moved over there, that's when we were able to sign on our location that we're in now off uh, 8th and Broadway there, 118 Northwest 8th Street. Um, and, you know, so to, to, to start everything, we pulled from our 401ks, uh, hence the name of our best-selling beer, the 401k Cream Ale. Awesome beer, by the way. Yep, yep, super crushable. Um, we... That beer luckily did go over very well, and that helped us get that financing we needed to build our own spot. You know, because to, to, to back up a little bit, when we were first looking in, to get into it, my background is in, you know, I graduated college and started working in payroll and human resources. Um, 
Zach was uh, an engineer, petroleum engineer. Evan was a film kid, and Nick is an architect. You know, so n- there wasn't a whole lot of investors or banks wanting to give you know these this hodgepodge of uh, backgrounds that had nothing to do with the alcohol industry or that just kind of service and goods industry at all. You know, million dollars to start a right, brewery. Right. It, under those old laws, you know, to, you had to attack distribution. You, meaning you had to brew up big, your equipment needed to be big enough to do that. You really didn't need about a million dollars to get started then. Um, so that's how contracting made sense for us, and we were able to cobble enough together with our 401ks to kick it off. And then 401k did did well enough, get the, got the uh, mm-hmm. uh, attention of a few folks that were able to uh, help us find a space and introduce to the right bankers and you know, gotten, we've got a small group of investors that are, I don't want to say friends and family, but there is some friends and family, and then kind of extended people that we trust enough, you know, that we would, that we're happy to take on investors. So, yeah, and then, so after the Brewers Union, uh, opened our spot there in 2018, and have been, you know, riding the, the wave of the universe since 2018. Did, how, so, I mean, uh, when did y'all start branching out on, did y'all have a group of brews already in the tank ready to go? Y'all just needed that money to come through first or how did it, it was, it was just 401k cream ale first. Mm-hmm. And then it, uh, over the last, I mean, obviously the last few years I picked up a sampler pack yeah. and tried a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> broken tiles. Very good. Yeah. Uh, uh, shout out to red, Old Blood Noise Endeavors. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a guitarist on that had a pedal he did on the show, and I seen this, and I'm like, hey, those are fucking pedals on the can. Yeah. And then I read it, and I'm like, wow, shit. And it's very good. Yeah. Very yeah, good. That was a fun one. We'll probably bring that pedal. We did a pedal pop-up shop a year ago. We'll probably try to do that again. It was pretty rad. Nice. So. But no, to answer your question there originally, yeah, that's, and it's a really good question. You know, when you're launching a craft brewery, you know, you're figuring out that beer you launch, which is launch with is a pretty it's a big question and we had we kind of went back and forth at one point we were had this idea of launching with their a brown ale which in hindsight really glad we didn't do that love a good brown ale but they are a they sell like in a very small part of the year because those you know darker beers or cold weather beers yeah. i'll drink a dark beer all year round but when it's 110 degrees outside it's you want something crisp and like you know easy to more yeah. refreshing right so Moved off of that, and then the next thing is like, you know, IPAs. IPAs are the best-selling style and have been for the past 25, 30 years, maybe something like that. Year over year, they're the kind of the thing that is always has driven craft beer growth. Um, we looked at doing that, but we kind of, we moved off of that and went with the 401 because it was, one, it was more refreshing, a bit more approachable by a larger demographic, and we kind of wanted to come at it from the standpoint of, bringing people into craft beer and you know some like broken tile or big double ipa some of these uh, those will would be a little bit harder for someone that's used to drinking mills miller like or light or bud like sure sure to for that to be their first introduction to craft beer and to us so we wanted it to be something that was more flavorful um than those those domestic beers and had a bit more you know fun to it and more story to it because you know the other thing about the 401k it's a cream ale, right? Most people don't know what a cream ale is, and that's largely because it is—it's a style. It's a very old. It's an older style, not very old style, but an older style that was created by American brewers. One of the very few styles of beer that is has American roots. Mm. And it was 
developed by American brewers to compete with German import pilsners and lagers and, and those type of things. Um, which pilsner is a lager, of course, right? Um, but this is an ale, so it ferments like an ale, and it you can turn it quicker, because that's kind of the big difference between lager and ale, right? Lagers are fermented in cold, they take a little bit longer, because they have a longer rest period, and all that stuff, so your turns are lower. Um, and for a small brewer, you know, those turns matter a lot more, and the quicker you turn your tanks, the more revenue you can bring in, the quicker you can buy more grain, all that type of stuff, right? Right, right. So your cream ale ferments like an ale, so it turns quicker, but it gives you that same flavor profile or a similar profile as the lagers and pilsners and all that type of stuff. So that was it. They've competed with those. Prohibition came in, killed the American brewing industry, basically, and killed that style. Um, so if now, if anybody knows what a cream ale is, I usually think of Genesee or Little Kings, mm -hmm. and those are kind of the ones that survived. Um, but they are, you know, watered down, not super flavorful type of, of styles. And so that was the other thing we thought about cream ale. It's got a fun like historical history. The style does, and it's still very drinkable. We use it the way that it was. Our goal was to produce it with the same mindset that those early brewers did. It's like this is our way to compete with domestic beers. Like it's that same flavor profile, similar flavor profile, but locally made, a bit more flavorful, and you know, exciting to drink. Cool. And and uh, well, to that end, um, you know that cream ale was invented to compete. Um, how is the competition? Being a local brewer or or a microbrewer of some kind. As far as do the do the big do the Budweisers or anything even come into y'all's equation as far as trying to compete? Or are you just more focused on doing your thing and and keeping it on this level? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, so big beer um, has been, you know, your Anheuser Busch's and Miller Coors and all that stuff. Constellation brands have been starting to come after craft beer for a while. I mean, Goose Island was is a big acquisition that most people might know about or have heard about. It was known for Bourbon County. It's like the super craft brewery and all that stuff. Anheuser-Busch goes in and bought them, what, 20 years ago? I don't know. My numbers are probably wrong here. They bought them a long time ago. Um, so the Big Beer does have its eye and is like is always looking for ways to kind of squash the little guy, of course, which is just how business is. Yeah. Um, and they do it a few ways. They buy those up-and-coming brands, those brands that got a lot of uh, equity behind them, brand equity behind them, like a Goose Island, or some more recently would have been like a Wicked Weed. When they, and um, the other thing they do is they do, you know, they go after, they attack you on price. Um, they basically they'll buy shelves at liquor stores, more or less. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. They they don't because it's not legal, but they basically do. Um, it's like it's payola in the in the music part of things. You know. yeah. it, it exists, but it doesn't. It yeah. Doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so they, they do that, and then kind of like their third leg, and this is all published. I mean, I think they've got them on record for saying it. And then the third thing that they do is, you know, they'll run a lot of the promotional ads that make craft beer look like a frou-frou hippie thing or something, you know, yeah. whatever they do. They'll run those, like, you know, uh, defamation ads or whatever they call it in politics, those type of ads to kind of, like, cut at it. But the reality is, it's like, for us, it doesn't, it hasn't affected us that much, or if it does, it's you know not that important. Reality is that the, the most consumers are pretty intelligent and want to. I, 
they they can see through a lot of that and they literally will care more about that it's local than anything else like locals huge and now they will disguise things and make it look kind of local kind of crafty and right with their branding but so I, yeah you worry you, you think about it you watch what's going on there but the big guys that's not as big of a problem now especially for your size like for where we're at we're kind of in this we're in a growth stage in a lot of ways we're not the small guy that's just trying to get into liquor stores anymore um and bars and restaurants we're still working that real hard but we're also branching out into convenience and grocery and that's those convenience and grocery that's where that stuff is a little bit harder to to play you know because the pricing and the this stuff is just it's just a little, it's a little bit of a different world so but. okay yeah and to that end with um the, the, the past year and a half or so um how like we were talking earlier as a business owner you know when they say yeah, you got to wear a mask it's just one more thing mm-hmm. but um how has that affected the last year and a half as far as like you said you're in a growth period and then all of a sudden this thing comes along mm-hmm. and just kicks you out at your knees you know Right. Yeah. No, the last year for everybody has been insane. We all know it. Um, it, it yeah, it was not sorry. So prior to the prior to the pandemic starting, our sales were probably 70 percent off premise. So your bars and restaurants uh, on average any given month, somewhere probably 60 to 70 percent. Majority of our beer, beer was sold in a bar or restaurant. Pandemic wiped that out. Right. So there is no bars and restaurants to go to for a year almost. So it flipped, and all of a sudden, we're seeing, you see this uptick in your package sales to liquor stores and some of the grocery and convenience that we were in at the time, which we've gotten more, we've expanded our convenience and, and grocery since then, but, you know, you see this big liquor store spike. So what, and that's, that transition is hard when any, on a, on a dime, because beer is a living organism, right? Like. You can't just be like, okay, here's here's a keg of beer. Right. I've got a brew it. I've got to get get it done. Got to pack it and move it on. It's you know two three weeks turnaround on a beer. You know sometimes less, sometimes more, just depending on the style. Um, and to get it packed. So this hit, and we're stuck with again our we were selling mostly barstow. We're stuck with this fleet of kegs that can't be sold, and we've got to then and now we don't have the inventory of cans and labels and all this other stuff to meet this new demand right so that was a big shock a shock to the to the system and trying to get there so that led to can shortages for everybody um that they had to deal with and everybody's scrambling to find new cans and can suppliers the market was adjusting and rumping or ramping up its um you know can production all that stuff um so yeah you dealt with that um and yeah it, it, it was wild um and we did see that big spike in package but you didn't see it enough to offset the loss because you basically oh, yeah. you lost one whole section of revenue. It sounds like it even kicked out getting at all angles, like inventory and supplies for your own to put the product out was even fucked up. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it put, um, it was just, it's just wild. And then, so now you flash forward a little bit into the March, this last March here in 2021, we saw kind of the flip. Vaccines are rolling out, cases are falling, we're opening back up, and our on-premises growing, growing, growing. And your package sales have come down a little bit because the market's kind of trying to come back to normal, but we've retained a lot of that, which is great. And that's kind of where that growth is kind of 
we've seen this lift and we've also got our kicks coming back so there's there's that that growth um but those initial those initial few months after the opening was also kind of tough uh, on the on-premise side because you had bars and restaurants that were very timid and they didn't want to order a whole lot because you just didn't know yeah right yeah so and then they a lot of them froze menus and things like that so you know pushing trying to get those spots back or adding new spots was was a challenge um but overall yeah it's been a wild ride it's just wild swings um and yeah where we're at now um we are seeing month over month growth or you know average growth at least you know i think this last month saw a little bit of leveling but um good stuff still awesome and 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 for now it looks like things are are um opening back up for the current present um i don't I don't, I don't see it becoming another shutdown situation just because of, especially on the concert side of things that we watch. It's like there's been so much money invested in some of these big shows that are already two, three, four months down the line point, and it's like we've already they already canceled it the first year, and and I don't, I just don't think people are, the masses aren't willing to do it, um, and and there's a lot of money involved in it. But at the same time, I could definitely see the mask mandates coming back, or at least business owners on their property requiring them on on premise. But hey, I, I guess if it keeps things moving forward, I'm I'm okay with that. You know? Right. At the end of the day, I think we all just got to figure out the figure out ways to keep moving forward. We have to find a, we have to figure out a way to live with it. But you also have to try and like be the, vigilant. Yeah, just you know try. And, and yet, you know the vaccine is available now, so. The vaccine's available. You're not going to shut the 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 economy down again. You're just. I don't think they'll do that. So, yeah. I mean, it's it is it is what it is. We'll figure it out and just have to ride it as we go forward, um, and just get through it. You know, I what we try to just remember, um, and it's maybe it's just to make us feel good. But like when you go through things like. Um, a pandemic and before that we had dealt with road construction for a year in front of our tap room which really limited the amount of business we could do and make it through those type of struggles and chaos just kind of make it better and at the end of the day you, you learn to be smarter with money you learn to look at um tr- be more forward thinking about what's coming down the pipe and stuff so those things at the end make you better is what I tell myself when I'm crying at night. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, if they don't crush you in the process. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Well, um, yeah, as far as moving forward, let's just go down that rabbit hole. Um, I see you guys got a, what is it called, the orange uh, slushy or what is it coming out right. today? Right, yeah, yeah. So we started playing around with this new style of beer, uh, commonly referred to as slush style or smoothie style sours. And what they are is their unfermented fruit um, Berliner Weisses or sour or sour beers, and what that does is just makes a super bright, uh, full flavored, excuse me, beer. Um, you know when you ferment out the fruit, like for example, our 1109. Oh, that's good. It's a blackberry Berliner Weiss. Yes, yes, yes. That we make year round, and the fruit in that is completely fermented out, so you still get a lot of the fruit flavor and all you know all that good stuff that it throws in there but when you ferment it out it's it's going to pull some of that you know a lot of the sugar's gone right so it's pulling flavor with that when it's unfermented you get 
all of that and it's just like these super just a blast of flavor and we started doing these things back in we did our first like full can release back in february um, we had done some small batch stuff in the tap room that some might remember that were really good and they've become our best selling beers like we have to keep those on tap and yeah this friday um what that's today today 30th. yeah <laughs> yeah 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 that's where i'm at uh <laughs> july 30th here um we are releasing our uh slush fund creamsicle uh you know it's orange tangerine and like marshmallow fluff probably some vanilla in there as well nice uh i'm pretty excited i haven't got to try it yet because you know that fruit goes in it's the last step it's this and that's where one thing where it differs we throw the fruit in you circulate it get it all mixed up in there pull the yeast off and you can it so now the these the salad beers they break some rules right so like you're never supposed to can anything that's not fully fermented out but we've done enough science where we're not worried about that can blowing up we've got some we figured out how to do do that where it's not and done plenty of tests and not had any issues uh with that happening so uh, anybody that's like a a beer person might be listening and say oh those damn beers that's they're travesty uh, which you know when it comes to uh, when it comes to like the letter of the law they are but one of the things I always say is like you know craft beer at its roots is really about breaking rules like craft beer got started by making beer and doing the things that big beer wasn't doing right. and pushing envelopes and, and doing different things you know the uh, the two style beers the the, the German purity law style of beers uh, are, have their place. Like, I love a good brew to style, hit the number of Pilsner or whatever, but it's also fun to drink crazy shit, you know? So, yeah. Um, you know, I think they both have their place, and we've been having a lot of success with those styles of beer. Oh, that 1109 is fucking good, man. Mm-hmm. I Yeah. Uh, I bought a little sampler pack this week to try them, and I hadn't seen this, but... It, it caught my eye because out in McLeod we got the Blackberry Festival, and I'm mm-hmm. like, "Well, hell, let's do that. Sounds yeah, good." Yeah, yeah, we did the Blackberry Festival before the pandemic, and I think the Blackberry Festival went on this year. And I don't know, we just missed it. We didn't get an invite for whatever reason. I, I, I know they had it. I read uh, the Lost Ogles uh, report on it, and all they did was shit on the town of McLeod. I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I mean, talk about a soft target, man. <laughs> shit, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man." Fucking uh, asshole. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, you know, that is what it is. Uh, I mean, we all went there. We, we know what it was, but it's still my home. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. right. You know, I mean, yeah. come on. I can shit on it. I, I came from there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, uh, which kind of a fun fact and aside here, that whole McLeod Hera area, you know, I look at my sales reports every day, and there's a, there's a coffee shop out there called Simple Brew. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. Anybody that's listening that's out there, Simple Brew, shout out. Like, it's a coffee shop, but they've got taps, and they've, they're have they moving 401k at a pretty good clip. So I'll put them on the yeah, page, I mean, man. Yeah. Now the, uh, in states like Colorado and uh, Oregon and other places like that, the uh, Starbucks actually uh-huh. do brew nights and, mm-hmm. and like, wine nights now because, like, they, they notice that they don't make as much money on coffee during the, during the nighttime, the day. Right. So they started holding events that were just doing the the wine and beer. Mm-hmm. So. No, it's it's a smart it's a smart collaboration. I, you know, we take a decent amount of beer trips, you know, whenever we can. And I, I think it's a while ago, but last time we were, and I can't remember. Oh, I think we were in the Northeast. Might have been a trip to Pennsylvania or something. But we went to this one uh, brewery that was a coffee shop and brewery. Like they brewed their own coffee, brewed their own beer. 
and like we went in there early uh around noon or so and like most people were in there like drinking coffee and working and then there's a few people drinking beer and we were of course were but it's super smart like you can you've got something to serve right. all day you know it was it's a great combination for sure and the coffee shop had like snacks and stuff too small food um so that makes a lot of sense for the two, those two things to go together. Oh, not probably weird on the licensing. I would imagine to be a business. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to vary by state by state on that stuff. I, it's probably not. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how coffee's regulated, but I, I'm sure that it's not too bad. I know once you start mixing food, it's a little bit different. But I would think you. Well, I mean, technically, we can serve coffee now because um, the way our laws work, like we we sell wine in the tap room. We just can't produce it we have to buy it from a distributor and then we can sell it which is it's nice to have for you know the people that get drag it drug in by their beer drinker friend or wife or sibling or whatever you know or husband um you know we do have yeah we have all of that where you know it's not always like i think you know the misogynistic thinking sometimes is like oh do you drink beer wine thing right yeah, right i see the opposite plenty of times where yeah. the uh uh, wife or girlfriend will come in because she wants to drink beer, and then the the husband or, or boyfriend's like, "What kind of wine you got?" You know, so. Dudes will of yeah. any yeah. creed, color, background will drink alcohol. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just drink. Everybody just drinks what they want. Yeah, yeah what they you like. Know. So, and, and man, I so okay. The orange crush is coming out. You guys got anything like maybe down the pipe for say October pending COVID or all that yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah. I know the one out, we were talking about the one out in Choctaw and I remember going to that when I was a kid and it was just the biggest thing in town, you know, and now it's no longer there. So yeah, it's unfortunate that restaurant that put that on went out of business and hopefully Oklahoma city gets some sort of Oktoberfest uh, coming back. I think uh Fassler hall is going to be throwing something. I just, I don't know the scope or scale of it, but, um, but no, our our plan is so we've never actually we've never brewed a true Oktoberfest or brewed an Oktoberfest, you know, or a fest type beer. Uh, last I say that until last year, we uh, uh, just let it run. Oh, okay. Um, last year we brewed uh, a beer called Awkward Encounters of the Festival kind. Um, we named that because when you would go to the Oktoberfest, we'd always run into. An aunt or a coworker that you don't see in that state, and <laughs> it, was, it was like you know, it would always be a little awkward. Um, so that was, it was a fun name, but it's it's a Schwarz beer, so not it's not Oktoberfest, but it's a excuse me German dark lager, mm-hmm. and it was super popular, one of the best selling beers we've done out of the tap room, and it was tap room exclusive. So we plan on brewing a larger batch of that and releasing it probably in September, um, getting it out to all the as many stores as possible and that be our kind of our Oktoberfest, you know, fall beer. Right. So are you guys got any events maybe or I know you guys run things out of the out of the brew house mm-hmm. in the evenings. I've seen your poster and we'll put all that stuff yeah. up too. But uh any plans for um anything like that geared towards Oktoberfest? I mean Yeah, so actually as part of that we plan on back to the slush thing. We're gonna release awkward encounters and then probably three slush beers and call it like Slushtoberfest. Oh nice. Um I think all the slushes are going to be like cheesecake inspired, so um, little teas, maybe like a maybe a blackberry cheesecake type inspired uh, slush fund, and a few others. So we're going to put together a big release day for all that. In terms of what the event looks like, we'll kind of see. Um, you know, prior to the pandemic, we were we would pack it out with bands and programming throughout the day. Anytime we did 
a, a bigger, larger release or anniversary parties, um, you know, which we're really hoping we can do our anniversary slash Halloween party in October this year. Um, we're, we're planning on doing it, so that'll... I'm, I'm, we've got another slush fund there. I got the name. It's going to be called Spooky Juice, but after that, I don't know what it's actually going to be, <laughs> it, but the name's really good. So, um, But we'll be doing that in October as well, and hopefully just roll right into Thanksgiving. We did a... We're going to have a lot of slush-themed events. We, last time we did um, slush givings. We had a bunch of cobbler-inspired slushes that oh, were super, yeah, nice. super popular. And then in December, we'll do our cookie stoutness, where we'll do a bunch of big cookie stouts. And, yeah, so we've got those things on the on the, on the the calendar in terms of planning and, and getting ready for them. So. Cool. Well, what's y'all's, uh, what's y'all's week over week kind of hosting y'all do out there? Maybe we can put it out there and yeah, get some more. Yeah, yeah, week more. over week. Um, every Monday, we do uh, Ultimate Smash Bro tournaments. Uh, uh, we have a buddy, his, uh, his name's Johnny Weaver. He runs that for us with... Uh, click gaming um it's real fun it's all ages um 21 to drink of course uh but we have we're probably average about 30 or so kids come out and it's pretty competitive we have we have some guys that come out that are like ranked and they play like nationally or all over the in tournaments all over and, and win money um our boy cannon red comes out and he's always in the top five in oklahoma and just beats the pants off of most of us <laughs> um and so it's that's real fun um, on, on Mondays. Uh, Tuesdays, we're getting some trivia started. Um, we're kind of, we've done it twice so far, and we might make some tweaks to it. There might be some fun news on that. I'll kind of just tease a little bit. I'm not exactly sure if it's going to work out, but we might have a very, it might be continually sports-themed on, on Tuesday was kind of a, a fun aspect to it, but we'll see. And Wednesday nights, we've been doing karaoke, little karaoke on Wednesday nights. Thursdays, Thursdays is one of our funnest days. We do Songo, Bingo with Music. Nice. Last Thursday of every month, which was last night, is always our emo night. So a lot of, you know, uh, My Chemical Romance and uh, Fall Out Boy, all those Listening from things. the early aughts. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all that sad boy stuff. Um, it's good fun. It's good fun. Um, and, yeah, Fridays and Saturdays are just kind of their thing and... Um, you know, that's when we have the beer releases, you know, so. Very cool. And tonight's the the Orange Crush, then, huh? Um, yeah, yeah, the, the Cream Sickle. Cream Sickle. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Orange Crush is a better name. Probably should have went with that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Awesome, man. Well, what's y'all's location? And then, um, like I said, we'll put all the other stuff up on, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. all that tagging and all that jazz, so. Absolutely, absolutely. We're at 118 Northwest Northwest 8th Street there in Automobile Alley. It's between 8th and Robinson. Yeah, the hideaway right there on the corner of uh, Broadway and 8th. And, and then you've got the, like, the law school on Robinson, Nate. So we're kind of like right between there. Awesome. Andrew Corrales with Vanessa House Brewing. Thank you yep. for being in with us today, bud. Absolutely. Great talking with you. Jonathan, take us out, bud. All right. The uh, Local Earshot Podcast runs on the value for value system. Uh, that is time, talent, and treasure. Uh, we value everybody's time for listening. Uh, as for talent, if you're inside the music industry or if you're uh, inside any of the industry that involves entertainment in Oklahoma, we'd like to hear from you and hear your story, have you come on the show. Uh, and then as for treasure, uh, we, uh, we take donations, we take crypto, and we also take um, Cash App, Vitmo, and that's at localearshot.com slash donate. Um, yeah. 
We're shopping around for long-term ad sponsorship partnerships, but it's got to be the right relationship. You yeah. Know? We are we are in the market for it, but you know, better bring be, better be bringing heat. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. We love y'all. We'll see y'all down the line. Thank you.